0: We begin in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Jalla Jalaluhu, the Glorious, the Magnificent, with whom there are no partners, and we worship only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Jalla Jalaluhu, because only He is worthy of worship. And we send salutations on His messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who is his messenger and who is the last of his messengers. And we send salaam and salutations on his family and on his companions, the Sahaba. And we send salutations and we send the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on all those who follow the messenger Muhammad in excellence until the day of judgment. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to include all of us among those who will be counted as those people who followed Muhammad in excellence all our lives. To begin, what is Islam? And as I told you, I will do a very brief introduction, just the fundamentals. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us, He created human beings for a purpose. And he did not leave this purpose in the dark for us to guess what it is. Allah told us very clearly what is the purpose of our creation. And he said, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ Allah said, I have not created the human beings and the jinn for any purpose other than to worship me. So in the way of expression, one way is to say I have created the human beings and jinn to worship me. That's one way of putting it. Another way of putting it is, I have not created the jinn and the human beings for any purpose other than to worship me. Now this is a much more emphatic way of saying something and reiterating it by starting with the nafi, by starting with the deny. There is no reason for creating you except this reason. So, we know very clearly why we were created. (coughs) Now, why is this important? It is important because the value of something, the worth of something, depends on that thing fulfilling the purpose of its creation. The value of anything depends on whether that thing fulfills the purpose of its creation. For example, when I teach uh, courses on creativity, one of the exercises we do is, we take say, this phone and we say, write down 20 different uses of this phone. So, you might say, um, as a photo frame. So, and that's incidentally a good use for uh, old cell phones you are not using anymore. Make it into a photo frame, set the timing and the photo keeps changing, so it's put in a... put in a you know, stand like that and you have a photo frame. Uh, You might say, as an alarm clock. Another use of cell phones which are not in use, use them as alarm clocks. Uh, You might say, I use it as a reader. You might say, well, I can uh, drill a hole in it and uh, tie a string and use it as a pendulum. Uh, You can say, I can use it as a missile to throw at the heads of people who ask me stupid questions. So, twenty different uses of the phone, But tell me, what will you do with a phone that dies? It actually happened to me, HTC One. Never buy that phone because it dies, like human beings. So, it died, turned into a brick, suddenly one fine day gone, dead. So, what to do with that? What will you and I do with that phone? It's dead. Can't even be used as, you know, whatever, I mean, as a picture frame and whatnot, because it's completely dead. What do you do with something that no longer fulfills the purpose for which it was made? Garbage. Yes? Garbage. You will not say, you know what, here's an iPhone 6 Plus, I spent so much money buying it and it gave me good service, Poor thing, it's so so sweet of it, you know, one day it died, well, what to do? I think I'm fond of it, I'm going to keep it at home and you know, as a mark of loyalty and so on, or maybe I'll hang it around my neck On That which does not fulfill the purpose of its creation is garbage. It's chucked aside, thrown away. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the human beings and the jinn for what? To worship Him. وَمَا قَلَقْتُ الجن وَالْإِنْسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبَدُونَ So a person who does not worship Allah, is he or she fulfilling the purpose for which they were created? No. Islam is to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. Very simple, one line. What is Islam? It is to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. If you don't fulfill the purpose for which you were created, then you are... you are failed, because you were made for a purpose. Now you might say, well, um, I don't believe what is being said. Um, Is the Quran true? Is it not true? All of these are legitimate questions, all of which you can answer. But once you have come to a conclusion, and once you've decided that, yes, this Qur'an is the word of Allah, and we'll come to that in a minute, then you have to accept what the Qur'an is saying. And the Qur'an is saying, وَمَا قَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That the only purpose of your creation is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Islam is to fulfill the purpose of that creation. Right? And like I gave you the example of alternate uses of the phone. You might say, well, a person is not worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Maybe he's not worshipping anybody or maybe he's worshipping X, Y, Z, whoever. But he's also a very nice human being, he's a very decent human being, he's a truthful person, he's a very charitable person, very kind, compassionate. Is this possible or not possible? Of course it's possible. Of course it's possible. People are decent human beings. I mean, it doesn't mean that if someone does not worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala automatically he's a criminal who should be killed. Of course not. You <laughs> are very nice people. Can you have alternate use of the phone? Of course. Exactly the same example, <clears throat> alternate uses, but is it fulfilling the purpose of its creation? Did when Apple made the phone, did they make a picture frame, did they make an alarm clock or did they make a phone? That's the purpose. The purpose is f- to do what this phone is supposed to do. Can I use it for something else? Of course. But is that the purpose? It's not the purpose. So when I use it for something else, is there some benefit? Of course there's a benefit. As a picture frame, there is a benefit. As an alarm clock, there is a benefit. As uh, chugging at somebody said, (laughs) but that's not the purpose of creation. So if a person does not worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but the person is kind and compassionate, will they get positive vibes from the society? Of course. Will they get the Nobel Peace Prize? Well, you don't have to be nice to get the Nobel Peace Prize. We know that. Will they get awards from people, will people be thankful to them, will people say (coughs) so and so is a wonderful human being and so on and so on a lot of accolades and laurels, of course all of this will happen here but final moment of test final moment of reckoning is based on what question? alternate uses or purpose of creation? purpose of creation Then what happens? Oh, this was a nice picture frame, yeah, sure. This is a nice alarm clock, that's right. Did it fulfill the purpose of its creation? No. So we put it aside. (coughs) That is the point to understand. Islam is to fulfill the purpose of your creation. If you did that, Alhamdulillah, Obviously, if you fulfill the purpose of your creation, if you are worshipping only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it means you're obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you're obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about the rest of the, of the world? What did Allah say about the rest of mankind? What did He say about the environment? What did He say about the animals and plants? What did He say about how you should deal with people? What did He say about how you should be truthful or you should tell lies? What did He say about how you should be kind or, or compassionate? What did He say about murder and not murder? What did He say about so many things in life? Do you do all that or no? Of course that's a non-brainer, of course you do that If you're worshipping Allah, it means you're obeying Allah and if you're obeying Allah then you're not obeying Allah in only one thing and not in the other thing you're obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely in everything which means that automatically if you are a true Muslim you're also a kind person, you're also a charitable person, you're also a compassionate person you're also somebody who helps others, you're also somebody who is hugely appreciated in society because of all the good that you bring with you to the table But you can presumably do some of this other stuff without worshipping Allah. You can have a picture frame, you can have... but the purpose is not completed. That in a very simple way is the way to understand Islam and what being a Muslim means. Now, how can one fulfill this purpose of worshipping only Allah and worshipping Allah only? These are two, uh, two separate statements. Worshipping only Allah meaning that we don't worship anyone other than Allah. And if you say, I only worship Allah or worship Allah only, it means that I do not do anything other than worshipping Allah. wal-insa illa means both. That Allah is saying that I have not created you for any purpose other than to worship me. Meaning that I have created you to worship me alone and I have created you so that you will only worship and not do anything else. So now we have apparently a problem. Because you might say, I worship only Allah. I don't join partners with Him, I don't worship anyone other than Allah. But I have to go to work. Uh, I'm a computer programmer, I'm writing code. Uh, I am a shopkeeper, I have to open my shop, I have to sell things, buy things, I have to travel. Uh, I am a mother, I've got to look after my kids. I am a husband, I'm a wife. We have our relations. A million things. And you are saying that I have to only worship Allah and do nothing else. I have to eat my food. I have to sleep at night. I have to go to the toilet. I have to take a shower. Now, how to put the two together? Because this is the word of Allah. Allah said, I have not created you for anything other than to worship Him. Which means that if you are doing anything other than the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you are going against the purpose of your creation, even if you are worshipping only Allah. One is to worship only Allah and not anybody else. And the second one is to worship Allah 24-7. Every waking moment of your life. So, two separate things, but these are two are connected. So, you might say, I'm not worshipping anyone other than Allah, but how can I worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 24-7 from, you know, every waking moment, because I have to do so many things. And that is where we understand the second part of the Kalima, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, when you want to enter Islam, what do you do, you say? ilaha illallah. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who I follow. The second part of the kalimah helps us to understand this 24-7 worship of Allah, which is that if you live your entire life. According to the way that Rasulullah, Sallallahu Wasallam, the Messenger of Allah Muhammad, Sallallahu Wasallam, lived his life, then every action will be counted as an action of worship. And what did the Prophet Sallallahu say? He said, Innam al-amalu niyat." He said the worth of the deed is based on its intention. So now. I am worshipping Allah, we came here, we prayed, Salatul Dhuhr. So, the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the form of Salah, is finished. Now from here I go home. I enter my house, I say, Bismillahir Rahmanir Raheem. I enter in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is the most merciful, who is the most gracious. So the entry into my house is worship. I meet my wife, I meet my children, I meet my family, whoever is in the house, I smile. The smile is Sadaqah, it is worship i sit down to eat my food i say bismillah i begin in the name of allah i sit with the intention that i'm going to eat so that allah gives me strength so i can do some good work i can worship allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on with this intention i eat halal food earned in a halal way this is worship Your eating your food is worship actual worship for which allah will reward you and so on and so on and so on every single action including and this is a hadith Rasulullah said to the sahaba he said when you are with your wife in the sexual relationship he said allah will reward you so the sahaba said ya Rasulullah, we are with our wives in the sexual relationship for our own pleasure will allah reward us for that allah will actually is this become, does this become worship? Is Allah going to give me a reward for that? Rasulullah said, if you entered into that kind of relationship with a woman you were not married to, would Allah punish you or not? They said, yes of course, that is fornication, that is adultery, Allah will punish me. So he said, then if you are doing it within the boundaries of the Sharia, with only your wife and not some other woman, then should Allah not Is it not justice that Allah must reward you? Because if you go outside this, Allah is going to punish you. So if you stay within it, Allah will reward you. So this is Islam. The following of the Sunnah, which is what we call the way of life of Rasulullah makes every action of a person, every single action. Going to work is worship. Doing work in the office is worship. You're doing work in the office. You're doing it to please Allah, not to please your boss. So now when you have a customer call, what do you do? You scream at the customer? No, you're working with Allah Subhanahu. You scream at the customer, maybe they record the conversation, maybe they don't, maybe you can fog it. But Allah is seeing. So I am talking to my customer to please Allah, not to please my boss or because the conversation is being recorded for quality purposes. I don't know why they record them, because the quality is lousy anyway. But you're doing it to please Allah Subhanahu. Then you take a break. You take a break for lunch or tea or whatever it is and you also want to do your Salah. You quickly do your Salah, the break is half an hour, you do not take a break for 31 minutes. Half an hour breaks 30 minutes. Exactly 30 minutes you are back in your seat. Your friends are hanging out by the coffee machine, they're hanging out by somewhere, they've gone out to have a smoke or whatnot. You say, first of all, I don't smoke, smoking is haram. Second thing is, coffee machine is not part of my job. I'm being paid for a certain amount of work. My income has to be halal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching. If I take the time out from my work time and use it for my personal time, then I have to answer to Allah. My company may not catch me, maybe they don't have the software to see which site I was browsing and whether it was part of my job or not my job, the company can't catch me. I'm smart enough to go around all that, but Allah is watching. We had people, one of my, Shuyukh, one of my, one of my teachers, his father, Sayyid Suleiman Nadwi, Used to carry in those days no computers and so on, so they wrote by hand. He used to carry two fountain pens in his pocket. One fountain pen he would use for official work. The second fountain pen he would use if he had to write a personal letter. He would not use the ink of the office for his personal letter. So he said, "This is not official work. My my work, my letter, I will use my pen, ink which I pay for, not the company's work." People who are this particular. Why? Because they are working to please Allah. They're not bothered about the people. They are working to please Allah. Now, when you are working to please Allah, what kind of service will you give? Superlative service. Rasulullah <laughs> said, give more to the customer. He said, When you are weighing, give more. He didn't say give exactly, he said give more. Obviously, he didn't say give less. If you are giving more, it's more than exactly exact something, he so said put something more. There is barqa for you give something more to the customer, the Aha! experience. So, how do you fulfill this purpose of creation of worshipping Allah 24-7? By living your life according to the Sunnah, the way of Muhammad How do you treat your neighbors? The way he treated his neighbors. How do you treat your non-Muslim neighbors? the way he treated his non-Muslim neighbors. Abdullah bin Mubarak, one of the great scholars of Islam, he heard that his neighbor was selling his house and his neighbor was a Jewish guy. And then somebody came and told him that his neighbor has jacked up the price. He is quoting twice the market price. So, Abdullah bin Mubarak said, why is he quoting twice the market price? So, then some prospective customer came and he said to the man, he said, this house is nice, I would like to buy the house, but the market value is so much and you are asking for double double the price. Why is that? I mean, what's the premium? He said, do you know who my neighbor is? He said, who's your neighbor? He said, my neighbor is Abdullah bin Mubarak. He said, if you want to be the neighbor of Abdullah Mubarak, you must pay this premium. So when Abdullah Mubarak heard this, he went to the neighbor. He asked him, he said, why are you selling the house? He said, I need the money. So Abdullah Mubarak said, I will give you the money. You stay here. I like you as a neighbor. (laughs) He said, I'll give you the money. Take the money. But I want you as a neighbor. So please stay here as a neighbor. So how did, how, how are Muslims supposed to treat their non-Muslim neighbors? In such a way that the non-Muslim neighbor says, I want you as my neighbor, I don't want anybody else. Please come and stay here. Because of you, there is barakah. we like this atmosphere in this place, because of you, because you are a Muslim. I'm not saying to you that this is how Muslims are living today. There are, alhamdulillah, there are good people everywhere. But by and large, we get a lot of bad press. I'm, say, I'm, not, I'm also not saying that all the bad press is true. But obviously, there is... when there is a lot of smoke, there has to be some fire. So some of it is definitely true. We can't deny that. And that's why it's very important to recalibrate ourselves and say, am I really a Muslim? Because being a Muslim is not only wearing a turban and having a beard and praying. No, no, no. These are only outward signs. This also should be there, alhamdulillah. Because these are outward signs, that's how you are recognized as a Muslim, alhamdulillah very good for you. But if Islam ends with that, then it's a tragedy, because that's not Islam. Islam is in your speech, Islam is in your actions, Islam is in your dealings, Islam is in how you drive your car, Islam is in in how you treat people, Islam is in how you treat your subordinates, your superiors, your employers, your employees, your neighbors. This is Islam. And this is the greatest dawa of Islam, the greatest preaching of Islam is not by talking, it's not by distributing pamphlets, it's definitely not by arguing and debates. It is by demonstrating the beauty of Islam. What is the best way of selling a perfume? Tell me. If I have the best perfume in the world and I have it in a beautiful crystal bottle, which is hermetically sealed, and I'm selling you this perfume, I'm telling you this, I'm telling you all the fantastic qualities of this perfume. Is that the best way to sell the perfume? Well, at the most, what are you seeing? You're seeing the bottle. And you're seeing some liquid of some color in the bottle. Yes? What is the best way to sell perfume? Exactly. The smell of it. Just open the bottle. Open the bottle. Let the guy get away from it. You don't have to talk anymore. You do not need to talk anymore. You let us spell it. That is Islam, and that is Dawah. Let people smell the fragrance of Islam. (coughs) Because if your Islam stinks, nobody will want it, no matter how much you talk about it. So I must look at myself and say, does my Islam stink, or does my Islam have the fragrance which Islam is supposed to have? Because if it is stinking, then it is not perfume. Can't be Islam, because Islam is supposed to have a Perfume. It has supposed to have a fragrance. So, if somebody comes and says, you know what, this is Islam. You say, no, no only the bottle is Islam. <laughs> Inside is not Islam. Inside is something else. Because it's stinking. It can't be stinking. This is not Islam. Because Islam is supposed to have a fragrance. How can Islam stink? And that's the reason for recalibrating. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, somebody asked me, what is the USP of Islam? unique sales proposition. What is the USP of Islam? What is it that differentiates Islam from everything else? And I said to him, the USP of Islam is the direct connection between the Creator and the creature, between the Rab and the Abd, between the Lord and His slave. Direct connection, there is no one in between. There is no priest, there is no Pujari, there is no ayah. there is no no Nambutri, there is no Chaturvedi, there is no nobody in between, no one, you are the creature of Allah, Allah made you for Him and you talk to Him this is the beauty of Islam communicating directly with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala began His book with this with introduction to himself with speaking about his connection with his slave and then telling the slave what to ask him for where well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala began in his name Bismillahir rahmanir rahman raheem Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين نعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين Ameen. I surah al fatiha the first surah of the Qur'an, a surah which is a rukun, which is a pillar of the salah, a surah that we recite in every rakat of every salah, without which the salah is not valid. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala began that surah in His name, in the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful. Bismillah rahim The first ayah of Surah Al-Fatiha which you must recite not necessarily loudly, but you must recite because without that the Surah Al-Fatiha is incomplete and your salah is invalid. So be very clear about this. You don't have to say it loudly, but you must say it. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduced himself. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen All praise and all thanks is for Allah subhanahu wa (coughs) ta'ala who is the creator and sustainer of all that exists. All that we know and all that we don't know. All the forms of life that we know and all the forms of life that we don't know. This galaxy, other galaxies, the Milky Way, all the universe that we know, and all the universe that we don't know. The creator of all conditions, the creator of all circumstances, the creation, creator of all situations. Rabbul Alameen. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described Himself. Who is this Rabbul Alameen? Ar Rahmanir The most gracious and the most merciful. Mercy at its peak, Ar Rahman. Maximum mercy. Ar-Rahim, this maximum mercy which lasts forever. Allah is not merciful today and not merciful tomorrow. Allah is merciful today and tomorrow. In this dunya wal akhirah, Ar-Rahman ar fi dunya wal-akhira. Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Think about this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has many attributes. Allah could have introduced Himself in any way He wanted. Why did he choose these two things? Talking, The first thing that he's doing when he's introducing himself is talking about his mercy. And his mercy which has no boundaries. How do you thank somebody who's so merciful? That he opens the discussion with reminding you of his mercy. Hmm? And that's why shukar of Allah, thanking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the root of all goodness. Al-Rahman And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us of the destination that you and I will all face one day. And what is that destination? The day of judgment. Maliki Yawmiddin. Who is Allah? The one who owns that day. The one who is the master and the king of that day of judgment. Malik, the owner. Malik, the king. Of the day of judgment Yawm And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about His relationship with us And Allah says say this Oh Allah I worship only you And I ask for help only from you I worship only you And I ask for help only from you Now, think about this, why is this important? Put yourself in a worldly situation. Supposing you have to go to a, say the chief minister of this state. Supposing you have to go to the chief minister of this state to ask for a favor. And you are from Andhra, you are not from Telangana. Then what is the first thing you will do? You will wear a pink... uh, You know... (laughs) You will hunt high and low somewhere in your family to find some connection with Telangana. Yes or no? Because you know the man is oversensitive about this business. And you will go to him and you say, I am from Telangana. I am from your state. Take it in any situation. You want to go ask for a special favor. The other day, somebody was telling me that one of our uh, old teachers from my school is now the principal of some other school. So, a friend wanted his son to be admitted in that school. So, he went and got hold of this guy and he said, she is your old teacher. So, please go and recommend my son. We tried to find a connection. Why must I listen to you? Who are you? I am from your country. I am from your city. I am from your community. I am from your family. I am your uncle. I am your nephew. Whoever, whoever. This is my connection with you. So you can't refuse me. I am not some stranger who came out of nowhere. No, 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 no. I have got a direct personal connection with you. You can't send me away. You can't trash me. You have to give me. Yes or no? Allah is teaching this. Allah is saying, remind yourself about my connection with me. Allah, I am yours. I don't worship anybody else, I worship only you. I don't ask help from anyone, I ask help only from you, I need your help, so help me. I don't worship anyone except you, I worship only you, I ask help only from you. Now I need your help, please help me. I can't go anywhere else, there is no one else, it's only you, I'm asking you, give me why must you give me because i am asking you give me because i am asking who are you i'm yours i belong to you i'm not a stranger i belong to you you told me that i didn't make the claim you made the claim lillahi <inaudible> samawati who said it allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said everything in the heavens and the earth belongs to me belongs to allah i am that I am one of them. You told me I belong to you. I am saying I belong to you. You can help me. Only you can help me. Help me because I am asking you. This is Islam. Directly to the one who is Al-Hayyul Qayyum. Who is that one? Allahu la ilaha illahu al-Hayyul Qayyum. تاخذه اصبحت ولا نوم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي تكون عنده إلا اجل يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم wa the only one I worship and the only one who ask help from who is this one? Allah subhanahu wa taala said, "Allahu la ilaha illahu Allah." There is no one worthy of worship except Him, Al Hayyul Qayyum, the one who is always living. And the one who is Qaim, who is, who exists and who protects. Al-Hayyul Qayyum. The one who was never created by anyone else. He always existed. And he will always exist. La ta'akhuduhu sinatu wala nawm. He is the one who doesn't sleep. He is the one who doesn't wink. He is the one who doesn't even blink. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is addressing our anxieties in his introduction. Allah can introduce Himself any way He wants, but He's addressing our anxieties. My anx- what is the anxiety? The anxiety is, yeah, I know you are alive, but I don't know. Maybe right now your your attention is somewhere else. I know you are alive, but maybe you fell you fell asleep. Maybe you are tired. And this is incidentally the the, the uh, Christian Aqidah, that God was tired on the seventh day, so He rested. But Allah is saying, no, God doesn't get tired. He is God because He doesn't get tired. We worship Him because He is not like us. He is not a superhuman. He is Allah. He is not like me, only bigger and stronger. No. He is Allah. Allah said, Allah is not like anything in creation. No comparison to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَا Everything in the heavens and the earth Everything created belongs to Him only Who do you belong to? Allah Who do I belong to? Allah Who said that? My claim or His claim? His claim مَن عِنْدَهُ Who is it that can intercede with Allah without His permission? This is referring to asking for help other than Allah. Who is it that can intercede with Allah? Who can intercede for you? Who can make sifarish for you? Who is somebody who can recommend you? Who is somebody who can say anything for you without the permission of Allah. Nobody. People can do that only if they are permitted. And inshallah it's our aqidah that Rasulullah will, will be the first one to be permitted, and of course there will be others. He knows what will happen and what happens to his creatures in the world and what will happen to them in the hereafter. He knows what is happening to us, he is aware real time. And he is aware of what's going to happen to us in the hereafter. And no one can encompass his knowledge, but he knows what all of us know, and no one can take from his knowledge except what he gives. So everything we know, all the science, all the technology, all kinds of knowledge, all the philosophy, all the literature, all everything is from Allah alone. There is no such thing as secular knowledge. This is one of the oxymoronic statements that is, or, or phrases that is used. It's a secular teaching, secular learning, there is no such thing. There is no secular knowledge. All knowledge is from Allah. Physics, from Allah, chemistry, from Allah, zoology, biology, technology, whatever. It's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah is saying, no one can take from his knowledge except what he gives. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, His kursi. And these are terminologies of the ghaib We only know what Allah has told us. And the kursi is translated variously as a footstool and so on. It's not the arsh, it is not the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's something less than the throne. This wasiya kursi was samawati walar. This thing which is less than the throne of Allah, the kursi, extends over all creation. Over the heavens and the earth. So what of the throne of Allah? And then Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala says, وَسِيَا وَلَا وَهُوَ الْعَلِيُ And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala does not feel any fatigue. He does not feel any tiredness. Guarding and preserving His creation. Me. You. Everything. Allah guards us. Allah preserves us. Allah helps us. You fall sick. You get the flu. You get a cold. And you say, I caught a cold. Do you know how many types of cold there are? Do you know how many millions of kinds of viruses there are? You caught only one. How about you caught, catch all of them? Who protects, who preserves? Do it, were we taking precautions, I am taking precautions from cold number, this one? No. What comes has to come because Allah has written it. But all that does not come, we don't even take it into account. We don't even know that. Allah does not feel any fatigue, any tiredness in guarding and preserving. azim, and He is the most high, and He is the most great. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jalla Jalla. This is the one who said, about to whom we said? So you are not asking for help and you are not worshipping someone who is less in any way. You are worshipping the one beyond whom there is nothing. The greatest one. Then Allah taught us what to ask. You establish the connection. I am yours. Give me. Give you what? Ihdinas sirat al mustaqim. Allah, guide me to the right path, to the straight path, to the path of righteousness, to the path of steadfastness. The path which leads to you. Why? Because that is the purpose of creation. We have not created the human beings and the jinn for anything other than to worship us. And what is that path? That path is the path of steadfastness, siratul mustaqim. إِذِنَ السِّرَاطَ Mustaqim. O Allah, guide me to the path of steadfastness. Now that I establish my connection with you, what must I ask? Imagine Allah is teaching us to ask. Allah could have said, ask for wealth and good health and ask for a good life. Nothing wrong with any of this. Most welcome, please ask for all of this. Good children. You can ask for any of this. But, but is any of this the most important thing? If, if there was only one thing to ask, what would you ask? And that's what Allah is teaching us. <inaudible> ask Allah anything you want, but this one thing you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The most important thing guidance. What is the most important thing? Guidance. Because when we go before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we want to be rightly guided. We don't, we don't want to land up on the day of judgment and then discover that we were not on the right path. Because then nothing can be done. This life is the life of action. This life is your examination hall. Just imagine this, is very easy for us to examine. All of us have been through exams. So now you had your... you got your hall ticket in your hand, which was your day you were born, you came into the examination hall, now you're sitting here writing exam. Once the bell rings, examination is over. Now you go into the next hall and you're getting the readouts on the terminals. And you see your name passed, fantastic, brilliant. You see your name failed. You say, oh my god, now what can I do? What can you do? Exam is over. No, can I go back in there and rewrite the exam? No, there's no one in there, it's gone. That hall does not exist anymore. Exam is finished, everybody's gone home. You can't go back in there and rewrite the exam because now you discovered you failed. No, 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 the time to pass or fail is here and now. And that's why I told you, today is the most important day of your life. Why? Because this is the only day you have. So make it the best day of your life. One of the teachers of Islam, one of the scholars, he said, if two of your days are alike, then you have failed. If two days are the same, If yesterday and today are the same, then you have failed because you are not trying. Today must have been better, should be better than yesterday. And tomorrow must be better than today. Otherwise you are failing. If two days are alike. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reinforces and reiterates straight path, path of guidance. Which path? because I might think that ex- so-and-so so is a great person, maybe I want to go on that person's path or I want to go on this philosophy Allah clarified Sirat Al-Ladheena An'amta Alayhim Allah, give me and guide me to the correct path, to the path of righteousness and steadfastness the path of those who you blessed the people, who are the people, where is the proof that the path is right? in the people who passed ahead about whom allah subhanahu wa taala told us that they were rightly guided so there is proof not left to your imagination nelson mandela the first president of independent free south africa wonderful human being and is somebody that i have read about read about i have read his biography and You know, is a person I look up to as a role model and so on. But there are also people who believe that Nelson Mandela sold out the black people. Two opinions. Gandhiji, again, somebody I hugely respect, fantastic sayings, fantastic quotes, (coughs) did a great job. But there are a lot of other people who think that Gandhiji sold out India and Indian independence. So, for anyone you want to see in life, you will find that there are people with uh, contrary views. If somebody says, Oh, this is a great person, I mean, ah, he's a crook. No, not great. But with the prophets of Allah, with the Anbiya, there are no two opinions. There are no two opinions. You might not believe in Jesus, but nobody will say Jesus is a crook. You might not believe in, you might not I was not a Christian I don't believe in Jesus as god or as son of god I don't have that philosophy I say Jesus is a is a uh, is a prophet of god I might I might not believe in Moses as a but nobody will say Moses was a crook no naw billah With the prophets of Allah there are no two opinions Even people who do not believe in the prophets believe that they, they were good people successful people An'amta alayhim Who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave inam to Who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewarded and blessed And who are those people? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said An'amallahu alayhim minan nabiyyin wa siddiqin wa shuhdai wa salihin First of them, the nabiyyin The prophets of Allah And among those prophets of Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned one of them Specifically, and he said, you are on this path. Which path? Siratul Mustaqim. Specifically. Yasin wal-Quran al-Hakim. Innaka lamina al-Mursaleen ala Siratul Mustaqim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned and called Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa by one of his names as Yasin. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that you are... By the Quran al Hakim, Allah is taking an oath by His Kalam. Inna min al Verily and truly, you are among the prophets. Ala sirat al Mustaqim. And you are on this sirat al Mustaqim. So, when we are saying, ehidina sirat al Mustaqim, what is the dua you are making? Well, oh, Allah put me on the path of Muhammad. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once again re emphasizes. غَيْرِ عَلَيْهِمْ Not on the path of those who incurred your anger. Whoever they are. Anyone who is doing something which brings about the anger of Allah, O oh Allah, don't put me on that path. Don't let me be somebody who does that. I don't want to incur your anger. غَيْرِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا And don't put me on the path of people who are misguided. They may be doing good things there may be somebody who says I love God very much so what am I doing I'm dancing naked in the streets and I'm singing ballads I'm singing you know and these people say oh machoob. he's gone crazy in the love of Allah well he's gone crazy we can see that but I don't know what he went crazy about because crazy behavior is not Islam ladheena <laughs> an'amta alayhim this is Islam. We speak directly to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the hadith of Rabbi sallallahu alayhi wa the hadith of Qudsi, narrated by Abu Hurairah al-Radilanu, where he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to each of these ayats. When you say, Alhamdulillahi Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hamdani Abdi, my slave has praised me. And when the slave says, Ar-Rahmanir-Rahim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, my slave has recognized the fact that I am Rahmanir-Rahim. And he said, Malik Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, My slave recognizes the fact that he will come before me on the day of judgment, that I am the owner of the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This from this moment onwards, it is between my slave and me, and I will give him whatever he asks. And then Allah, we say, Oh Allah, give me guidance. And Allah said, Allah will say then, This is between me and my slave, and I have given him what he asked. So, when we pray, when we read Surat al fatiha and Salah, please remember this, that you are having an actual conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the reason why Rasulullah used to recite the Surat al fatiha one ayah at a time. <coughs> he, d- he didn't combine the ayats. It's not wrong to combine the You can do that. I mean, it's not against the, the, the rules. But Rasulullah used to read one at a time. Because he said, I am speaking to Allah. I want to listen to the response the message so islam is a religion which connects you directly to your creator number 1 number 2 islam is a is a religion which shows you that your creator responds to you when you speak to him islam is a religion which te- which tells you that your creator will give you what you ask And Islam is a religion that that reminds you and me that we were created only for the purpose of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it shows us a way in which we can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every single aspect of our life. That is Islam. So we recalibrate ourselves on this basis and we look at ourselves and say, what I have, does it fit with this picture? Is my life a life of complete worship, is it being lived on the way of Rasulullah sallallahu wa sallam, On the Sunnah of Muhammad? Sallallahu wa if it is, Alhamdulillah, all power to you. If it is not, then you and I need to do the recalibration of the instrument and bring it on par. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said very clearly, وَهُوَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ He said, the one who comes on the day of judgment with anything other than Islam, this will not be accepted from him. And on that day, he will be, or she will be, among the losers. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not to keep us among the losers. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us winners. He created us as winners. He gave us this short period of our life, during which He gave us the choice. Allah gave us limited choice. Allah did not give you a choice of how you will digest your food. Allah gave you a choice of what you will eat and what you don't want to eat. But if you are diabetic and if you eat a kilogram of uh, khalaqan because you like it, no, no one will stop you. You can eat it and after that you will die. Because that is not in your control. So Allah has given us limited choice. We do not have free choice. Please understand this. We are also not compelled totally. Allah has given us choice. The choice is to choose between right and wrong and Allah did not leave that for us to guess and decide what is right and wrong according to our wishes. Allah gave us that law. This is what happened to other religions and that is the reason why prophets after prophets kept, kept coming. For example, the same religion Islam, it is our belief that Islam is the original religion which came from day one. But what happened to Islam happened because of what happens to most things over time. People take them and people alter them to suit themselves. So take for example the Jewish people. The religion that Musa that Moses brought was what? Islam. But the first thing they did was they (coughs) When Moses, when Musa a.s. went, Allah subhanahu wa taala called him on the mountain and when he went away for forty days the Jewish people, his people, what did they do? They collected uh, all their gold and they melted it and they made it into a calf and they started worshipping that. So here you have the religion of Islam, you have the Prophet with you and you move away from that and you worship an idol which you made yourself. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then they did many other things. For example, the book of Allah which is called the Torah, which was the law of Musa the law of Moses. The Jewish people changed it, and they wrote their own book called the Talmud, and they created their own law out of the Talmud. So effectively, what did they do? They said, well, you know, we like this, so we keep it. And we don't like this, so we leave it. And Allah mentioned that in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Afa bi, wa bi ba'd. Allah said, Are you going to be among those people who take what they like from the kitab from the book and they leave what they don't like? This is a sign of arrogance because here is the book of Allah giving, being given to you, and you are saying, You know what, this piece I like, I'll keep it, the other one you can keep it. This is arrogance. So they did that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent. Isa alayhi salam. He sent Jesus to correct the wrongdoing which they did with the religion of Musa alayhi salam, which was what? Islam. What did Isa alayhi salam come with? He came with a religion which said what? The Bible has it till today. He said, Your Lord, the God, is one. The Bible has it till today. He did not say, The Lord, your God, is three. He said, The Lord, your God, is one. Because that is Islam, la ilaha illallah, there is no one worthy of worship except Allah, Allahu ahad, he is one. So when Isa came to correct them, to correct the Jewish people, what did they do? They tried to kill him. They made uh, an allegation of wrongdoing on his mother. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved him and Allah saved his mother. But even the ones who had their religion from Islam, which was pure, then they changed that. The Jews also had changed it. For example, alcohol. There was no alcohol in Islam. There was never any alcohol in Islam for a very simple reason that Islam does not permit anything which has evil effects. Nobody in the world can tell you that alcohol does not have evil effects. Alcohol is a drug. Today, marijuana recreational use of marijuana has been legalized in the US you want to go smoke pot go to the US but is that, is that does it make sense? cigarette smoking we know how injurious to health cigarette smoking is it's absolutely horrible, it's, it's, it's literally committing suicide but cigarette, sm- cigarette companies give revenue to the government so governments do not ban cigarettes they will put a sign on the thing saying this is injurious to health you will die a miserable death and they put all sorts of stuff why don't you ban it? if you are putting a label and that is that is supposed to be obligatory you are supposed to do that statutory warning on the cigarette you must ask people and say why how is it that you write this warning but you don't ban the thing if it is so bad ban it why because money is God today money is God as long as it makes money we permit it. Alcohol makes money? we permit it. Cigarettes make money? we permit it. Marijuana makes money? we permit it. Free sex makes money? we permit it. Legalize prostitution. Change the name of the thing. Call the lady sex worker. You don't know what kind of desperation drives a woman to that. Believe me, I don't believe that any woman will voluntarily become a prostitute, will voluntarily sell her body. No, I don't be, this is nonsense. If somebody is saying that is completely and total nonsense, no woman will ever do that. It is desperation of the ultimate kind because society does not take care of their women. Islam says take care of your women. Do not leave them in a state of desperation where they have to sell their bodies in order to feed themselves. But it makes money, so legalize prostitution. This is what happened. Pork was always prohibited. The Jewish Jewish people don't eat pork. How come the Christians eat pork when they have the same law? They changed it. If you like eating it, we eat it. Usury, bank interest, always banned. We legalize it because now we have a banking system interestingly created by the Jewish people where it is prohibited, in the Mosaic law. That is the reason why Allah sent Prophet after Prophet after Prophet to bring people back onto a way which is good for everybody. A society which is pure, a society which is moral, a society which does not prey on the weak, a society which does not give you a loan at a high rate of interest, and then pulls the carpet from under your feet and your house is there and you are thrown on the street because you can't repay and the bank claims your house in the subprime crisis the houses that got uh, repossessed by banks today in America the statistics tell us that there is enough housing for every person who does not have a house for every homeless person to have three houses each there is enough housing built already in the US for every homeless person to have three houses each then why are they living on the streets? why are they living in camp caravan parks? why are they living on, in, on the pavements? Because your banking system will not allow that to happen, your banking system will not allow an honest human being who worked hard to make some money to pay a deposit to get a house for his family, it does not allow him to live with dignity, it throws him on the street because he cannot pay your usurious bank rates. Islam says this is haram, this is wrong, you cannot treat people like that have a system which takes care of people by all means make money but don't make money at the expense of the other person tell me what's so wrong about that what is so wrong about that what is so wrong about taking care of widows and orphans that is what islam is and that's why prophet after prophet and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his own wisdom decided to end that and he sent Muhammad sallallahu as the last and final messenger after whom there is nobody else and why is there nobody else because Rasulullah said that the time between me and the day of judgment is very very close. Now time in the in the interpretation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not in terms of days and weeks and months it's in the terms which Allah knows, can be long, can be short, but that time is very close. As far as we are concerned, when is the day of judgment? When is your day of judgment? The day you die. The day you die. And I will end with that hadith. People would come to Rasulullah and they would ask him, Ya Rasulullah, when is the day of judgment? So Rasulullah ﷺ used to look to see who was the youngest person in that group and here it is my little brother Musa and Nabi Sallallahu would look at somebody like that and he would say that if Allah gives him a long life then the day of judgment would have come for all of you before him our day of judgment is the day we die I ask Allah subhanahu ta'ala to make that day the best day of your and my life. Because that is the day when we will meet Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Jale jale. We ask Allah subhanahu ta'ala to be pleased with you and to accept your coming here and to make this a source of benefit for you and me.